This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Seven weeks out from Hurricane Maria, and Puerto Rico is still battling to fix all that was destroyed, and there is still much to do. The power capacity on the island has uh, risen to about half restored at this point, and Governor Ricardo Rossello just made an economic plea to the White House asking for $94 billion to repair various elements on the island, including housing and that electric grid. The latest from Puerto Rico, we welcome in Carla Minier, who is executive director of the Center for Investigative Journalism in Puerto Rico. And also joining us is Deepak Lamba Nieves, who is research director for the Center uh, for a New Economy. Carla, Deepak, great to have you with us today. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Carla, since we last talked, how have the repairs been going? Uh, it does seem like the power, or at least the power capacity, is is on the rise a little bit. It is. It has been on the rise. Um, we don't know for sure uh, as of today uh, about uh, what is the exact number of clients that have electricity at home or at uh, work. Um, because the the government is using very general numbers, uh, consumption uh, generation numbers. I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, they say we are around 50 percent of uh, generation in Puerto Rico right now. But um, I'm not sure people people are you know seeing this at home. Um, today it was. Uh, uh, explained by government officials that um, less than uh, 50 towns have limited uh, connection to the power grid. So we are struggling with electricity. We are are better uh, than we were when Maria came, but uh, we are struggling. What about the other basic necessities like drinking water, medicine, food, those types of things? Uh, I would say the uh, situation has uh, been normalized, if you can say. Um, you know, water uh, also. But, um, you know, given the situation in Puerto Rico, um, where um, there's a, a, a poverty, le- a very high poverty level, which we suppose have risen since Hurricane Maria, um, not everybody has good food to eat at home, so um, that's a reality we are, uh, you know, facing as a country right now. Deepak, you're there as well. Uh, how do you assess the state of the recovery at this point? Well, recovery, if I had to summarize it in one sentence, has been slow and very painful for the majority of Puerto Ricans. And um, I worry that uh, what we're going to be seeing in the next couple of weeks and perhaps months is the two islands effect where you have a part of Puerto Rico, let's say the San Juan metro area or a part of San Juan that has power and has uh, drinkable water, but the rest of the island and vast amounts of people do not. 
and people tend to forget. Uh, people tend to try, as a, as as we almost all do, as a natural reflex to to you know go back to our routines and lead a normal life. And in many ways, I worry that uh, not just the people of Puerto Rico, uh, people outside Puerto Rico, and the government will forget about the vast majority of Puerto Ricans who are still struggling. Well, and I guess part of it was also just the fact of being able to get around the island, and there were various roads that were destroyed uh, by the storm, which obviously made it hard to be able to get to some of those remote areas, Deepak. So how have those repairs been coming along? Well, there have been some repairs, but again, it's very it's been very slow and very painful. Keep in mind the, fa- the following fact. Before the hurricane struck, the island was bankrupt. And yep. what I mean by that is we are... Um, we're carrying a 70 billion public debt burden, um, 50 billion in unfunded pension liabilities. Years of austerity politics have whittled down the capacity of the state to respond under normal circumstances. So imagine, if you will, in a situation where a huge economic, socioeconomic shock like a hurricane hits the island uh, from one end to the other. So the capacity to respond under normal circumstances, circumstances was already compromised. And now in this current context, we're even more crippled. So this is why, you know, connecting communities that lost their access to the rest of the world because the bridges uh, went out is going to take an inordinate amount of time, too much time, if you ask me. And that means that the pain and suffering will only prolong. So then what do you think needs to be done in the short term, uh, Deepak, to be able to, to, to better address some of these issues? I think, for one, we need immediate and quick federal action. Um, the recovery is going to take years. Um, one thing is to also stem the emergency circumstances, right? We're still dealing with communities that, have, that are lacking uh, safe water, that are lacking a uh, stable supply of foods. We are still in the triage of the initial emergency period. So we have to take care of that. And we have to seek federal funds. We have to seek international funds, if you will, we have to seek all the help we can get. And we have to start a reconstruction planning process. We have to move forward in starting to address the key questions of how we want to rebuild the island. And in order to do so, we can't use the, the normal frames or the normal models that we used before because that hasn't worked. Because pre-Maria, that wasn't working. So we need a new strategy. We need a new development strategy, and we need a reconstruction strategy for the island. And that needs to happen fast. Carla? What about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, what we are seeing are still people dying uh, in hospitals because of the lack of electricity, uh, dying at home because they don't have the equipment to for dialysis or for oxygen. Um, we are still seeing uh, very hard uh, outcomes from Maria uh, and. As Deepak noted, um, everything has been so slow. Communications are still uh, only uh, good in the metro area, but not on on, on the rest of the island. So that really um, dif- is difficult for, for any kind of um, recovery to go on. So it's really, uh, you know, I think people have been patient enough. Um, I think uh, our government and the federal government really have to step up. Uh, You know, there's been almost two months now, and we are still 
you know, uh, finding, uh, you know, very, very harsh conditions, especially on the mountainous regions. 844 Wharton is the number if you would like to join in or call in with your comments or questions. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Uh, so the the... The idea, Deepak, that Governor Rossello put forth and that that proposal he put forth uh, of some $94 billion to help with all kinds of elements, is that, I mean, obviously it seems like it's in part the right way, uh, right path to take, but is it enough, you know, considering uh, all of the financial elements that you and and Carla have both laid out that uh, Puerto Rico was dealing with prior? Right. I don't think that, you know, international and you know, U.S. experiences with natural disasters point to the fact that, you know, there's more money is always going to be needed than what's adjudicated to any state or territory, a colony in the case of Puerto Rico. Um, and there's always going to be um, unmet needs uh, as a result of a disaster. So this is just a starting point. The $94 billion uh, figure that you just mentioned is a starting point. It's uh, it's the opening salvo in a protracted and long negotiation that's ha- going to have to go on between the U.S. Congress um, and the people of Puerto Rico. So I think that we are going to need more funds for uh, at least the reconstruction part. But reconstruction is very different than recovery. Yeah. I think that recovery is going to take a longer time, in part because you have to rebuild social and cultural networks that have been completely broken up uh, by the storm, in part because of migration, in part because communities are still struggling, as Carla mentioned, uh, in part because you have a lot of people dying. Um, The Center for Investigative Journalism, for example, pointed out stories and very important stories about we don't know the exact figures of uh, the death toll toll as a result of Maria. So that's fundamental. Um, And we're going to start understanding more. And as the years go by, we're going to see the scars emerge uh, from the storm. And that's going to require not just funding. It's going to require social capital. It's going to require cultural capital to rebuild. And that's something that we also need to do as Puerto Ricans. And we have to lead that uh, effort in order to rebuild those bonds and rebuild those cultural uh, ties that have been broken. Part of this also, as you mentioned, is the government, and uh, obviously that has been uh, part of the problem over the last several decades in Puerto Rico. Uh, is this government, is Governor Rossella the right man to be to be leading this path back in your mind? I think he's the person that's there right now. I don't think we should get bogged down okay. uh, with the politics of this, right? Um, there's been a lot of noise. There's been a lot of political noise. The president visiting the island, Mike Pence visiting the island, Governor Rosellon, what he's doing. Right now, people are dying, right? Yeah. And what we need to concentrate on instead of pointing fingers is getting to action. And I think part of what we're trying to do at the center is just that. One of the things, we're a, we're a nonprofit policy think tank. We do research and policy advocacy. And what we saw on the ground the first couple of days after the hurricane, we decided to switch gears and we started a relief fund. And I personally and my colleagues started delivering water and food to people uh, across the island. This is what the government needs to do. It needs to start addressing immediate needs. It needs to start helping rebuild. It doesn't matter if it's Rosselló or if it's somebody else who's at the helm. People are dying and we need immediate and swift assistance.
I guess, Carla, that's uh, the the more shocking thing is that a lot of this information is still very much up in the air right now. And uh, I think there's an assumption by a lot of people that that are probably living here in the in the contiguous 48 that this information would be easily accessible in Puerto Rico. That's seemingly not the case. That is not the case. Uh, I wanted to point out about the question you were asking Deepak uh, about the money, uh, yeah. if it's going to be enough or not. Um, yeah. It's just that no money, I think, is going to be enough if we don't have a plan about how to use it wisely. And uh, at this point, I'm not sure we have uh, the that plan or uh, the people thinking about that, about um, short term and long-term uh, recovery process. So um, that's also what the government should be doing, and we are not seeing uh, some of that still. And uh, I think it is very important also that the federal government understands that since we are talking about our country's development, this planning for now and for the future has to be made by Puerto Ricans, not by federal agencies, uh, not by federal politicians, but by Puerto Ricans with Puerto Ricans' needs in mind. Um, and that's something that, uh, from my point of view, has not started, at least from the government's stance. Uh, other organizations, civic society groups and organizations like the Center for the New Economy and many others uh, have been thinking about this, of course. Um, but they have to be, you know, heard. Uh, by government officials, by the important people taking public policy decisions in order to have a plan that has a, a, a participation, um, experts, and, and people that have been, have been thinking about how to make a better country for a very long time but have not had the chance um, um, to be on the spot where it's needed. And this is the moment where these people have to come forward. That's from my point of view. 844-942-7866 is the number if you'd like to join in. We are uh, talking with Carla Minette, who is uh, executive director of the Center for Investigative Journalism in Puerto Rico. Deepak Lamba Nieves, who is a research director for the Center for a New Economy in Puerto Rico as well. 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Deepak, playing something, uh, playing off of something that Carla said, it doesn't seem like that uh, in the run-up, unfortunately, to all of this with the hurricanes, that the input of the Puerto Rican people where policy and change was concerned really wasn't being taken into effect to begin with. That's correct. I think that um, traditionally Puerto Rican uh, government decision-making happens at the executive level and supposed to trickle down. But one of the things that we've been trying to do over the past 20 years at the center is to build a sort of culture of participation, if you will, um, to have outside actors actually advocate for and become uh, clear Uh, provide clear lines of direction regarding what needs to happen at the socioeconomic uh, level. And I think that uh, this creates, you know, it's hard to see it this way because of all the death and destruction, but this hurricane has created a a window of opportunity, like Carla mentioned, for organizations from the civic society sector uh, to actually step in and say, this is what we need to be doing 
um, we have the credibility, we have the um, track record, and we need to step up as Puerto Ricans uh, and be the guiding voice in these exercises. I cannot stress enough the need for long-range planning and the need for medium-term solutions that needs to be articulated right now. I think that um, if you look at the experience of Katrina, if you look at the experience of Sandy, um, you'll see that immediately following a major disaster, people got together and started to figure out what kind of neighborhood, what kind of society, what kind of place do I want to live in, one that can bear the brunt of a future storm, but also one that's much better than the one that we had before. And that's certainly the case for Puerto Rico. We need to articulate a plan, an agenda, a series of strategies that help us not just get back to the day before Maria, but actually leapfrog into a better state of socioeconomic uh, situation. And that's exactly what we're trying to do at the center. And we've been trying to do so in the past couple of years on the onset of the of the uh, fiscal crisis in Puerto Rico. And now more than ever, we're poised to be in that uh, driving seat. And we're more than happy to help lead NGOs. And we're more than happy to provide some guidance on that end. So uh, then where the the issues of the power grid in Puerto Rico are concerned, is that forward-thinking process really being incorporated in your mind in, in terms of the rebuild uh, of all of the electrical uh, elements uh, on the island of Puerto Rico? I think that's going to require a much thoughtful and longer conversation. You see, it's not an either-or scenario, whether you have PREPA, uh, the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority, or you have a privatized system. Uh, as the as the counterpart, I think that we need to completely rethink our energy policy in Puerto Rico. Um, you've seen in the past couple of weeks a lot of companies providing these silver bullet solutions. We'll go completely solar. We'll do windmills. We'll do X, Y, and Z microgrids. And I think that's all great. And I think that conversation needs to be had regarding the technical capacity. But mm -hmm. people tend to forget that PREPA also has some political issues that need to be dealt with. And those need to be dealt with at the level of policy and at the level of regulation. And I think those are the hardest conversations to have when you're trying to reform a bureaucratic state-run monopoly like PREPA. I think that regardless of what energy solutions you're, you're bound to present to the people of Puerto Rico, somebody's going to have to plug into a regulatory system that's completely outdated. And that's a series of first conversations we need to have. What kind of regulations are needed to rebuild the power grid and what kind of forward thinking solutions uh, we can have, not just to become resilient for the, when the next storm or event comes, but also to become better at providing energy in a manner that you know, takes care of the majority of the people and not just a select few. Well, the question then has been asked, does that come from an outside entity outside Puerto Rico? When you hear that uh, question asked, what, what's your response? My response is that the people of Puerto Rico are the ones that are going to have to rebuild the country and that they're the ones who, ha who are going to be the custodians of that development legacy. And so we need to be in the driver's seat. I think we can receive expert assistance from anywhere where it comes, but the ultimate decision rests on the people of Puerto Rico and not outsiders. Carla? Yes, I completely agree with Deepak. Uh, as I was saying, Puerto Ricans have to uh, need to have a very prominent uh, place in the decision-making process. And, um, you know, experts from whatever they come um, are, are good. We have to hear them. We have to listen to those other experiences. 
but uh, Puerto Rican culture, Puerto Rican history, uh, Puerto Rican politics is uh, a part of the equation they uh, they usually don't take into account. So we have to be there in order to inform correctly what uh, the possible and viable poli uh, policy uh, should be considered for the uh, energy sector. I guess one of the the more important questions, Carla, is being several weeks out, is the government in Puerto Rico running on a fairly normal basis? I mean, obviously that that that's a that's a piece to the recovery to be able to get some of these policy decisions made and or changed. I will tell you right away that uh, the answer is no. Um, most government agencies uh, have not even started uh, working regularly since uh, there's no electricity in at least um, uh, in not not permanent. We don't have electricity permanently in many uh, government buildings. So um, the answer is no. Government is not fully operational right now. Right. And uh, the worst thing is that they don't have uh, a deadline for this to happen. So we've been asking the government uh, every other day about uh, how many agencies are operational, when are they coming back, and they are just even not even answering those questions. Deepak, what about the concerns of people leaving the island? That was an issue prior to the hurricanes, but th that's one that has uh, been amplified as well in the wake of the hurricanes also. I think it's a, it's a very important issue. I think that Puerto Rico was experiencing significant out-migration. I am of the thinking that uh, you don't need to see migration as a net loss. I mean, there's there's ways of thinking about migrants as brain circulation instead of brain drain, or you know, individuals who use the revolving door of migration in Puerto Rico usually crisscross from the United States back to the island. And when they do that, they bring back money, ideas, and ways of thinking and ways of doing things that are different. And I think there's, there's possibility in that. Now what we're seeing is people evacuating the island because the sense of despair um, and the idea that uh, things are not going to get better. That's certainly worrisome for me. But I think that, you know, you're going to see two different effects happening. You're going to see an effect where Puerto Ricans in the United States are going to become a more uh, populated um, community that are going to have political representation in the halls of Congress. And that certainly should worry uh, the establishment in the United States. Our voice will now be heard in a different way. And at the same time, in Puerto Rico, what you're going to have is a severe population shift where we still don't know what the fallout's going to be. But, you know, how many engineers left? How many teachers? Right. How many PhDs left? We're going to have to figure that one out in order to be able to say, okay, this is what we can do with our economy given um, the, the vast amount of people that have left. And there's still some very much unanswered questions. There's also people coming in. You have to take into account, and this happened also in Katrina, that you're going to have relief workers coming in, and you're going to have uh, perhaps construction workers coming in to fill in the gaps uh, for all the uh, construction projects that we're going to have post-recovery. And so one of the things that we have to figure out as a policy expert and researchers like myself is, so what is the true state of the Puerto Rican economy? Right. And in order to do that, we have to take into account uh, perhaps unusual figures. Perhaps we have to figure out new ways of measuring uh, the impact. And we're certainly learning from experiences like Katrina. 
And we need to do a little bit more of that, but faster as well. How do you deal with uh, the, and again, this is partly a policy decision, but it is partly economic as well, uh, Deepak. How do you deal with not only the the recovery from the storms, but as you alluded to early on, you still have to deal with the debt issues as well? (laughs) Yeah. I think that that's going to be a huge question on everybody's mind. Not only dealing with the debt, it's dealing with this, um, the control board as well. Um, Before the hurricane hit, the conversation on everybody's mind was uh, government furloughs. Um, Because this was was a discussion going on about whether or not the government could continue to fund the the salaries of these public employees. And that question still remains and it becomes even more urgent. But I think that what you have to think about right now is that instead of austerity politics, we need reconstruction politics. So that's a very different uh, sort of attitude that the control board has to assume in this process. And I don't think that they're ready to assume that role. And I don't think that the board was created for those ends. So we currently have a policy uh, mismatch with regards to the kind of checks that the U.S. government wanted to put in place and the kinds of needs that the country has right now. So that's certainly a major issue that we have to contend with coordination-wise. At the same time, the debt is not going to go away, but it's certainly the current situation makes an even stronger case for something that we have been saying at the Center for the New Economy, and that is that Puerto Rican debt has to be significantly restructured. And so there's no denying now, um, and if you, you know, Maybe some unscrupulous hedge fund managers or some vulture funds still want to, you know, get out every penny that they want. But Puerto Rico is in no state to pay back all of its debt. And so that needs to be also part of the major conversation. Carla? Yeah, I agree. Um, at the center, we have been following uh, the how the debt intersects with what happened with Maria. Uh, we have been uh, – we have kept – following uh, these firms uh, to understand uh, their backgrounds and the trajectory, the the places they have been at uh, before Puerto Rico. And um, these firms, many of them are vulture funds, at least uh, more than than 50% of the firms that are in Puerto Rico uh, are categorized as vulture funds. Right. So uh, we really um, we really have been have kept investigating about that in order for uh, policymakers to take into account when they decide to go on with this uh, debt discourse, uh, debt payment discourse. Um, who are we paying to? So um, on the other hand, um, the fiscal control board. Which, uh, which, as Deepak noted, is uh, like a, a major issue here in the island because they not only decide on budget and fiscal plans, but they also want to decide uh, op- operationally how agencies should be managed. Um, and this this board just recently, uh, in a case we have in court. Um, because we are asking for public information. They just recently are saying that they do not have uh, need to have transparency policies uh, uh, in order to make the, uh, documents uh, and information public 
in Puerto Rico. So this uh, board is not only uh, a problem in terms of what is their place right now after Maria, but also in terms of how they see themselves as uh, as an entity that has uh, no no way of responding to anyone in Puerto Rico or in the United States. So it's not only a matter of having a board, but also about who who's that board right, right now. Great having you both with us. We wish you all the best, and we will stay in touch uh, as things progress. Thank you, Carla. Thank you, Deepak. All the best. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Thank you both. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.